Blog Talk Radio. Center of the world. Latitude zero. Longitude zero. Planned by the Creator. Cisanthropus was the first man found on the earth. That earth was the motherland. We know that without total understanding of what happened in the past, it would be difficult to relate to the future. We know that within the structure of the music, there should be a message, and the message should be truth. So now, we give you Africa, the center of the world. humanity, human being, human love, on a spiritual sense, so vast, so great, the African embrace, live beyond love beyond your skin to where you belong I'm gonna be 
know what you don't think what you talk to you for a Just don't be tired of original nigga You send it down, but when you think about the free comedy, take it down And I'm just a telephone, shut up, get out You know what you're doing, but Racing your way off the strike. Telling our tales with verbal mail, playing the blade, creating language to persuade. Shit, we've always been. Always a blessing, never a sin. We are doo wop and bebop and hip hop and we don't stop. Since our mother gave birth to everyone on earth, we echo her call. And always what's all. To the world, so we create black world. Everyone can wear, everyone can share. We can't live in despair, so we shine everywhere. On and on, on and on. On and on, we welcome you to Africa on the Moon. As your host, Brother Africa. It's always an honor and a privilege to come to your homes this evening where we can speak truth to power and to provide you with information so that you can use it as a tool for liberation uh, to help liberate your people and to help liberate humanity from all of the various forms of oppression. We are welcoming you to another episode of Africa on the Moon. Today's theme is the money game and control. That's right. We're going to talk a little bit about the concept of the money game and control. And we are like always, we like to invite our listening audience to come and join us by dialing in 323-679-0841. 232-679-0841. And share your views and perspectives. So like always, before we get to our theme, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in our world community. And we also open up the segment to you as well. So again, to your phone, dial the number, and share your information, your knowledge, your experiences, your know-how with the masses of our people so we can help make a better humanity for all mankind. So... On that note, like always, the way we get started with our party is to first and foremost introduce to you our political panelists and analysts for today's program. And on that note, we will now bring in Brother Haki, and we will welcome him to Africa, and we will welcome Brother Haki. Brother, Brother Africa, thanks for having me. <coughs> My name is Haki Kamafa Mishoki. 
and currently I'm with African Awareness. And, of course, you know my thing is institution building, Brother Africa. But let me tell you something, and I need the, the other panelists' indulgence because I want to talk about something uh, that I think is very important, I think is key to understanding in terms of the whole um, epidemic around coronavirus. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that's very interesting, uh, Brother Africa, now, inevitably, when we start talking about outbreaks of viruses, the United States is always somehow implicated in, 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 the, in the, uh, the spread of particular viruses. If you go back to the early history of America, you go back to the smallpox epidemic in which the native uh, English population infected blankets with smallpox to give to the Indians, uh, thusly uh, uh, killing off you know large number of Indian population here in America, which subsequently became America. We talk about the Tuskegee experiment, and we all know about the Tuskegee experiment in terms of how they the spread of syphilis on unsuspecting black men uh, left it untreated to see its impact. In the 80s, uh, many of us all know about the uh, World Health Organization in terms of its uh, dissemination of yellow fever in Africa by utilizing vaccines with a yellow fever agent inside of it. There's a book called Acre of, Acres of Skin in which they talk about uh, vaccines that were used to infect prisoners throughout the penal colonies in the United States. Now, of course, the AIDS epidemic is something that we're all familiar with. But prior to the AIDS epidemic, there was an individual by the name of Walter Bassoon, a South African cardiologist, <clears throat> but with CIA funding, used HIV recombinant to create Ebola and SARS. Now, when we talk specifically about AIDS, we all got to know about Raymond Zeminski, the American molecular biologist who created a virus that prevents bodies, antibodies, <clears throat> defenses from working, and subsequently became known as AIDS. Now, for those who question in terms of legitimacy of, of, of this research, uh, you can go back and look in terms of the results on the electron microscope, which shows that the virus that we call AIDS was not the result of a, 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 a virus, but what actually was the result of a of a of lab work. So it wasn't a viral mutation. It was a result of work in the lab. And electron microscope bears that out. Now, with respect to this COVID-19, I have a lot of problems with it. I have um, three specific problems with it. But number one, I think one of the things is that <clears throat> the media says the virus, the virus started in Weihai, China. Well, recently, as last week, the World Health Organization stated that the COVID-19 virus did not start in China. In fact, one of the things that World Health Organization did state is that originally, when you go back to the origin of COVID-19, there was 11 cases throughout the world. Six of those cases were observed in the U.S. Three cases were observed in the U.K. and two cases in Canada. This was of January of 2020. Interestingly enough, Brother Africa, two months later, uh, the uh, World Health Organization defined COVID-19 as a pandemic. Interestingly enough, now, a pandemic means, for those who don't know, pandemic means 20% of the population is infected. Now, interestingly, when you talk about 11 known cases of, of, of COVID-19, and two months later, for a World Health Organization to to state that in fact that this is a result, this is this is in fact a endemic of a pandemic, speaks volumes in terms of the kind of political game gamesmanship that takes place when we talk about COVID nineteen. Now, secondly, you know one of the things that you know virologists virologist lists five strains of coronavirus, or they call hepatitis. Now, interestingly enough, Brother Africa, only one. Only one country in the world has five strains of this of this of this of this, of this coronavirus. That is the United States. 
Interesting enough, recently they've been talking a lot about varying, varying strains of COVID-19, specifically coming out of South Africa. I find it ironic that when we talk about all these strains, of, when we call these various strains of COVID-19, the only country in the world that has five different strains is the United States. So perhaps this variant that they keep talking about is one of those strains that are unique to the U.S. Now, also in South Africa, you know, one of the things is that you know, of the countries originally, you know, uh, discovered to have COVID-19, each of them only had one strain of COVID-19. Those countries, Ukraine, China, Taiwan, South Korea, Thailand, Vietnam, Singapore, UK, Belgium, Germany. So you have to ask yourself, if there's only one strain in those countries, then where did the other four strains come from? As we know right now, as we know now, that those other four strains come from the United States. Now, then the third point in terms of when the problem I have with COVID-19 is that given the effectiveness of hydrochloroquine and interferon alpha-2b uh, effectiveness in terms of fighting COVID-19, I wonder why those as a cure are not placed on the table. Why is it that specifically the government mandates you got to take these particular, virus, these particular vaccines? For me, I find that problematic. It seems to me that not only is it a case, a case of terms of people making large sums of money, but in terms of compromising people's health, uh, has to be a consideration. Now, one of the things, when we talk about the problem of blaming China for COVID-19, you know, and a little bit of history, I think it's important that people understand this. Japanese scientists initially went to, to, to China to investigate the origins of COVID-19. They didn't find any. Um, but what they did find was that in South Korea, Taiwan, Iran, Iraq, Italy, the COVID-19 strain was different from the strain that was in China. So obviously the strain couldn't come from China. Now, the strain found in Taiwan was found only in two places, the U.S. and Australia. Isn't it interesting always when you talk about the COVID-19, there's always, always come back to one, one particular variable, and that is the U.S. Now, during the origin of, of this virus, uh, excuse me, I'm, well, I'm tired. <laughs> epidemiologists stated 480,000 U.S. deaths on average would occur as a result of, of COVID-19. Interestingly enough, back in January of 2020, only 11 cases existed. Uh, the mere, mere fact 11 cases existed, and for them to extrapolate in terms of using statistics, uh, with a sample size of 11 to extrapolate, that how, so, somehow you come up with a 480,000 people is a bit of a stretch. Obviously, the World Health Organization knew something about this, this COVID-19 that other people didn't, because otherwise such a small sample size could not be adequate in terms of justifying 480,000 deaths yearly in America. Now, the groups opposing vaccination, the, Amer the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, uh, they see the government's mandated vaccines as a human rights problem. Now, Dr. Janet Orion, uh, she stated, Pfizer and Moderna use of a new scientific method is problematic. She goes to say this new scientific method would employ synthetic messenger RNA that essentially identify proteins affiliated with COVID-19, compels a protein to reveal itself, thereby creating the possibility the immune system seeks and destroys by producing protective antibodies. These antibodies will remain in the body to fight COVID-19 in the future. Now, I have three problems with that, Brother Africa. First and foremost, there are, as I alluded to earlier, there are five strains of COVID-19. One would suspect the strategies employed by viruses were different. Since you got five different strategies and five different strategies in terms of a particular virus, then to have these antibodies in your body, the question becomes, can they effectively deal with all five strains? And the answer is probably no, they cannot. Which means that there's an inherent problem in terms of having this vaccine in your body 
in terms of the potential damage it potentially could do to your body, particularly to your DNA. Now, secondly, Dr. Simone Gold, a frontline doctor, talks about pathogenic uh, priming. This concept holds the longevity of the virus in the body is problematic, and more researchers needed to answer the question. In other words, by allowing this, by having this, this, this vaccine in your body for large periods of time, it almost ensures the, the destruction of your DNA, which is the foundation of life. So that in and of itself is very, very problematic. In particular, she talks about the vaccine impact on cell lining, the placenta, and the health of the future fetuses uh, of women who, uh, who take uh, COVID-19 vaccines. The third point is that this, this approach is experimental. Tricking the immune system is always risky because of unintended consequences. Recently, people have died from COVID-19 vaccinations. These deaths resulted not just in the U.S., but throughout the world. In addition to deaths from COVID-19 vaccinations, what role does nanotechnology play in killing people when used as a medical delivery system? Now, nanotechnology is useful to understand because nanotechnology is ensuring the vaccine invades the body's biological reaction to pathogens, making it possible for the vaccine to reach the targeted cell without being disgraded. The problem is this. Nanotechnology can get into the body through the skin, lungs, and digestive systems. This can result in the creation of free radicals or natural molecules that can damage the human, human being's DNA or the building block of life. In other words, what Dr. Gold talked about when she talked about pathogenic priming, that's essentially what they're, what they're talking about. The second person who opposes uh, these vaccines is Dr. Judith Makovitz. She, she goes even further by stating vaccines contribute to weakening of immune systems, making people more vulnerable to COVID-19. Dr. Makovitz places COVID-19 outbreak on three conspirators, Big Pharma, World Health Organization, and Bill Gates. Now, Bill Gates' name comes up a lot when we start talking about conspiracy. Dr. Makovitz's assertion of conspiracy seems justified, according to Erhus, University studies located in Denmark. The, the study says viruses are all around us, and the body's defense against viruses is the mucous membrane of the human body. Once affected by the virus, the mucous membrane alerts the immune system, which attacks the virus. If this system is ineffective, the body then creates interferon to neutralize or destroy the virus. Interestingly, interestingly enough, Cuba has enjoyed great success utilizing interferon to treat COVID-19 without COVID-19 vaccine. Africa, a poor continent, has also effectively minimized the impact of COVID-19 without COVID-19 vaccines using hydrochloroquine uh, instead. The obvious question is this. If interferon and hydrochloroquine have been effective, why are people being vaccinated with an experimental drug using nanotechnology? Equally as important by the Africans, why is big pharma immune from liability? Why was the definition of herd immunity changed from developing natural defenses to diseases to needing a vaccine to develop herd humanity? Perhaps Dr. Merchavich's assertions of conspiracy should be taken more seriously. And I'll close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Hackey. We'll come back to that point. Dealing with COVID 19, we have studs. We'll go to Dale. We bring our brother. We bring your brother Anthony, and we'd like to say, uh, brother Anthony, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Uh, thanks for brother having Anthony. me, brother Africa, and revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party, GC. Object of this Pan Africanism. 
the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Okay, Father Brother Anthony, we bring Brother Moses. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Move. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during the government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And Brother Africa, we don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. And thank you once again, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Moses. So, I listen to you. We are in the heat. We're going to take the seat tonight. As you define it, we're going to stand behind it. But to continue down this road of liberation, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will continue to discuss what's going on with our community, and we'd like for you to shine in with us by calling 323-679-0841. This message goes out to all of our brothers out there, from Sister Angie.
welcome the pilgrim And to the buffaloes The ones who rule the plain Like the vultures Circling beneath the dark clouds Looking for the rain Looking for the rain Just like the cities that stagger on the coastline In a nation that just can't stand much more Like the forest buried beneath the highway Never had a chance to grow
is winter and hell as well, and we live in the hell and we have the winter. Welcome back to Africa on the Moon. We will continue our discussion with our political panelists and analysts as we talk about what's going on in our world and the community that's coming up. But in terms of the point, Brother Haki made earlier giving the historical behavior and role of the U.S. when it comes to viruses. Um, you know, a lot of times we tell a lot about a person or a entity profile based upon its history. And I often wonder when we look at this, this virus thing, you know, I think it fit a pattern in terms of based upon what you said earlier. You know, um, what would lead one to think that the possibilities and behavior of this country has changed in terms of not doing such evil act? I have looked at some other sources who are talking about this virus, not only are abnormal, but also the process and how they're dealing with it is very unscientific. So I'm just wondering, Brother Haki and the rest of the panelists, so actually Brother Haki first, when we talk about COVID-19 and looking at what's, you know, the kind of ways that they are governing how to administrate the so-called virus, does it make you feel... Um, Insecure in terms of um, willing to want this entity viruses that that are being produced and coming from uh, those forces that work closely with the U.S. Well, about <clears throat> Africa, you know, it seems to me, given the history in terms of the kind of uh, deceptions that employed, you know, by Western states, particularly the U.S. and the U.K. in terms of using vaccines for the sole purposes of, uh, um. Um, uh, debilitating a, a, a people. I'm very apprehensive in terms of the, the in terms of actually taking you know, this COVID-19. Uh, let me just let me just explain, share something with you, brother Africa. I think will give some 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 um, some clarification in terms of what you're asking me. Uh, you know, recently, you know, uh, uh, well, not recently, back in the back in the November of 2020, not too far ago, not too long ago. Uh, Gates talk about providing um, Gavit. Um, Gavit, G-A-V-I, is a vaccine alliance, uh, and there's a group of individuals around the world in terms of, you know, that they organize for the sole purpose in terms of disseminating vaccines to poor and middle-income countries around the world. Now, Gates gave initially $50 million from his own organization, the Gates Melinda Foundation. Now, from another organization that he heads up called COVAX, he's talking about an additional $50 million to give up to Gavit, or this, this uh, vaccine alliance. In addition to that, he's talking about providing $20 million to the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness, or CEPIC, uh, to, to finance an a additional set of, uh, excuse me, to promise an additional set of promising vaccines so the vaccine they're currently they, they, they're currently working on, they're currently perfected supposedly, they're talking about an additional one, and um, and they say that they're going to say that now this next group of vaccines may be better suited to the needs of lower and middle income states, and therefore uh, afford them the opportunity or better increase the opportunity for them to have their people to have access to affordable vaccines. And so, in other words, what he's saying is that, you know, uh, his, his motivation has something in terms of the eradication of COVID-19. It has more monetary consideration. He's talking about creating more vaccines. And so when we talk about the, the pathogenic uh, priming that Dr. Gold talks about, 
It's not his concern. His concern is making lots and lots of money. So you're going to have a situation where increasingly you're going to have people injected with this current uh, uh, regimen of vaccine. And then in the future, they're going to inject them with some more vaccine, which sort of imperils their health. So clearly his, his, his focus has nothing to do in terms of the health. And so for one to be suspicious in terms of the motivation of the vaccine would be an intelligent thing to do. But one of the things that when I read this article, Brother Africa raised for me is three questions. And the first one was, is, is, is the intent to end COVID-19 or the possible? Now, certainly it seems that um, uh, Bill Gates' uh, motivation in terms of dissemination of COVID-19 vac- uh, vaccine has more has more to do with economic considerations. And as such, if it's economic considerations, then clearly uh, the question in terms of the efficacy or in terms of the effectiveness of it is, is become secondary, which means it's not, it's not important. What is primary is making money. Secondly, why additional vaccines when, when we're told that they're 90, 92, 93, 95, 97% effective? So why a second batch of vaccines? So what is that? What are you really telling me when you say that? And thirdly, what about pathogenic priming that I articulated earlier? Uh, one of the things that you talk about ever increasing a, a dosages in terms of, you know, filling these people's body with this vaccine that remains that remains there, regardless, regardless of not the, the, there's an actual virus or not, and the mere fact that it has uh, 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 a very uh, punitive impact on the health of people taking it, but yet you're certainly willing to to continue to prescribe that stuff over and over and over again. So when you talk, ask the question, should people be skeptical? Hell yes, they should be skeptical given given the history. And I think that when we talk about the political considerations, one of the things we can't un- underestimate, you know, the drive in terms of this whole. Um, <clears throat> This whole Malthusian ethos, which says that uh, in order for the world, you know, to 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 prosper, in order for the world to 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 maintain some semblance of of, of of longevity, then a certain number of extra number of people have to go. This is very interesting because we're talking about a theory essentially which says that there were too many people in the world when there was two billion people in the world, and they, the position was there were too many people in the world at that time. So clearly, there's, a, there's there's political considerations in terms of in terms of you know this COVID-19, and nobody should 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 you know take this stuff without giving some serious thought, some serious research in terms of what you what you're consuming, because one of the things when we start talking about people coming up with all of these kind of these 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 kind of ailments that they never had before, and we talk about the the potential for you know free radicals, and we talk about this stuff floating around in your body, you know, which is which only purpose is to attack attack you know viruses. Uh, the potential is that, according to many scientists, is that, you know, not only, you know, because it's, it seeks to attack viruses, that anything that it may be perceived as a virus subsequently may be attacked, uh, which may explain why people come down with all these diseases and people are dying from the so-called vaccine, this so-called COVID-19 vaccine, despite the fact they talk about it has a high efficacy rate. So clearly, you know, uh, one of the things, but I'm, I'm proud at least that South Africa told um, <clears> the <throat> told the, um, told the um, the UK, you know, take your vaccines. You know, we we don't want them. You know, we'll 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 study. We'll 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 innovate some other things in terms of doing this. Because right now, this thing is simply killing too many people. Then it's helping. So clearly, you know, South Africa leadership gets it. And uh, and a lot of, matter of fact, a lot of African states do. They do get it. They do understand that actually, you know, subjecting your citizenry, you know, to uh, to this to, to this vaccine is maybe not the most intelligent thing to do. But anyway. That's certainly a question that each and every individual has to ask him or herself in terms of whether or not they want to take that. It's up to them. I mean, if they want to, if they want to, you know, take that risk, then by all, by all means, go about it. Go ahead, and do it. But for others, you know, do the research, look at it, and think long or hard 
or whether or not you want that stuff injected into your body. Brother Anthony, you were speaking on this. Um, one of the things we look at how the U.S. is dealing with the virus is that they are willing to say they want to eradicate it inside the United States, while at the same time they are trying to prevent other folks from eradicating their country. What kind of attitude is this to say, you, you know, you want to get rid of the virus, understanding that if a virus is anywhere, it has the possibility to spread everywhere. What is the motivation behind the U.S. who want to make it difficult for other countries from being able to be able to pandemic, but yet they claim they're trying to get rid of the pandemic inside of, inside of this border? What sense does that make, Brother Anthony? What's the motivation behind it? That, does, it it doesn't make any sense, and uh, it's a form of ma- uh, of national chauvinism or micronationalism, uh, you know, to take that, uh, you know, to take that kind of attitude uh, and, uh, you know, prevent other countries from trying to uh, er er eradicate this disease. Uh, One of the uh, concerns I have adding uh, to, uh, you know, to the points uh, Brother Hakeem made is that um is that they've inculcated such a level of fear of this virus that people are willing to do anything to prevent it and uh and uh you know one of the effects of fear is to cause you to act irrationally and also, and also, not to do the uh, the research in terms of other, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, diseases that that have hit the U.S. Uh, citizenry recently. Um, and uh, you know, as I've observed uh, uh, several times on this program. Uh, African people's historical memories are short. And I think part of that might be due due to the high level of uh, illiteracy that exists among Africans uh, on the continent and in the diaspora. But uh, nevertheless, uh, people seem to forget that uh there was uh, there was a, a a swine flu epidemic about thirty years ago uh, uh, uh so and uh, the u s government out of uh you know inculcating fear of this disease uh imposed uh you know this uh, swine flu flu vaccine on everybody and uh, not knowing uh, the side effects of this vaccine. And uh, this, uh, uh, there was this European couple that was injected with the vaccine and it eventually caused uh, uh, paralysis in 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 the woman that uh took it and uh you know they dutifully uh they dutifully 
took the va- uh, the vaccine, uh, uh, you know, trusting, uh, 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 you know, what uh, you know what was being said by the government at the time, and uh, this caused the uh, uh, you know paralysis in uh, in the woman. And uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, changed her in- entire course of life. And um, you know, uh, incidents like this, people tend to sweep under the rug, or because the media doesn't emphasize them too much, people tend to forget about them. And uh, and uh, and uh, th- there's a danger to that here. And, uh, you know, there is, uh, you know, uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, was uh, a video I saw earlier in which this woman pointed out that there, uh, that in addition to, uh, you know, the cure, uh, uh, you know, being as uh, deadly as the the disease itself, uh, they also... uh, 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 in- injecting, uh, you know, um, neural, uh, you know, gemet- genetic transmitters that could uh, monitor uh, uh, y- your movement. And uh, this is very dangerous because it, uh, it uh, interferes with people's ability to express themselves freely. And to tr- and to travel freely as well, without being monitored. And brother Anthony, I have also heard similar things by folks in the scientific community talking about the kind of stuff that may be in this um, vaccine, terms of having um, genetic materials that can. Um, monitor people movements and do all kind of things to their um genetic makeup and stuff. And um I wonder what is the what is the advantage of or why um you have a virus and people allowed to um register a copyright to it. Well, what 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 is an end game of that of people copyrighting a virus? From my understanding against the sources they say it has uh, Bill, Bill Gates has a relationship to copyright to this virus. And what does that really mean? Can anybody give us a sense of idea? How do you incorporate or copyright the right to a virus? Uh, actually, the implication of a copyright to anything in a capitalist society implies a certain level of ownership. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and the thing, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it makes it more difficult to find a real solution to the virus without, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, uh, political economic strains that will go along with finding a cure. It, it also it also gives you the uh, it also gives you absolute control um, not of, of only the patent 
but it, in terms of dispensing medications or, or vaccines, uh, gives you uh, the right, you know, to solely uh, uh, control that market. So this is a problem in terms historically with, with, with copyrighted material. I mean, because what it does is essentially freezes out competition. And so what they do is that by copywriting, you know, vaccine, I mean, by, 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 by viruses, uh, they control the patent in terms of the vaccines as well. And so this is, this is contradictory in terms of uh, the need in terms of, you know, people having access to, to medication or vaccines that actually work. But nonetheless, we understand that it has nothing to do in terms of, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, you know, what is, what is fair and equitable and just. It's always about money. And when we talk about the context of capitalism, one of the ironies is that one of the very difficulties in terms of capitalism is beginning to see that there's something beyond the dollar bill. And it's very difficult for capitalists to understand that concept. For them, it's all about, it's all about the dollar bill. And as long as it's all about the dollar bill, it's all, all about money, then we understand that they're going to continue to use their wealth by any means, by any means to extend you know, the advantages that they have to make sure they corner these markets, to make sure that they can reap the benefits in terms of selling, selling whatever it is they're selling. In this case, we're talking about, um, we're talking about vaccines and, uh, you know, vaccines in terms of being patented. So clearly, Brother Africa, you know, uh, you know it's, it's, it's crazy, and, but it's only in the context of you know, capitalism that we understand the kind of uh, inverse sanity that exists in terms of you know, all those things that we see as moral or, or righteous. In the context of capitalism, they have no real meaning. So when you talk to capitalists about morality, it doesn't doesn't register because it doesn't mean anything. Morality doesn't mean anything. For them, morality is you know uh, uh, you know uh, uh, not being able to uh, not being able to exploit folks. For them, that is the hype of immorality. And so we have people like Ayn Rand saying that to be greedy is, is natural and it's good, and that is and, you know that's that's the way human beings should organize society. When you have those kind of philosophies uh, that that uh, that uh, Pretty much govern people's thoughts and actions, and you understand the kind of ruthlessness, the kind of uh, deception, the kind of um, insensitivity, the kind of apathy that they employ in all their business dealings. So we shouldn't be surprised that they would even even when it comes to the help of people, that they will maneuver and create situations where they can benefit solely at the expense of humanity. So that's just a given, given the, the ethos of capitalism. So the panelists and I ask for more is. Um take leave in this question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Recently on the news that you were talking about now with the viruses, this one, these viruses, or well, this, the vaccine that people are taking may not be enough just to take it one time. They're talking about the possibility, what they, they, what they think. Now, this one makes sense is what they think based on no scientific um, objective research that they're looking at maybe acquiring people to take this shot, take this vaccine, Every year, and maybe something you have to take every year. Now, as we talk about the money gain and control, um, Moses, what's your response to the rest of the panelists? I like that way on the possibility they're trying to say the people can is good. These might be the kind of vac- vaccination you have to take every year in order to to, to continue to fight from from um, catching this virus. What what you make of that? Uh, I think what has happened is uh, because this virus has no treatment, no cure, I think what they're doing is they're they're inculcating uh, people with fear of this virus, that they'll go along with whatever 
you know, the, the, the government or scientific community pushes. And uh, it's a dangerous uh, situation, and um, and they've replaced uh, fear with uh, reason and uh, logical thoughts. A logical thought, and um, you know, and the thing about um, you know, uh, common uh, logic says that uh, that developing a strong immune system is key to combating any disease. But uh mm. but this is uh uh but this is an an opposite logic. The fact that you have to take a drug every year at a minimum uh in order to be safe from this disease. I mean um you know uh that sounds um uh, you know, uh, 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 problematic, especially, um, especially if you travel for whatever reason and could not get access. And, uh, it seems to, um, be another form of, uh, drug dependency. And any type of drug dependency is, uh, you know, is dangerous. You know, for yeah. uh, humanity. So, uh, you know, I, I I I'd be very concerned about that. Yeah. Well, I I, I think the implications are dystopian. Uh, clearly, one of the things we got to be very concerned about, you know, as capitalism deconstructs, you know, as capitalism continues to decline, the desperation among the capitalist class becoming increases. And so, as such, when we talk about uh, the kind of uh, the kind of average, the kind of uh, a game plan, the kind of greed uh, that undermines society. Those tendencies are actually increasing. They're not decreasing, they're increasing. And so it speaks to the kind of desperation when we talk about the capitalists. And so given that reality, you know, one of the things that their bottom line is, 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 to, is to maximize profits, pure and simple, particularly when we talk about a dying economy, because one of the things that they're very, very clear on, that even the dollar itself is no guarantee that the dollar is going to survive in the next 10, 10 15 years. Uh, the dollar is on a deep decline, and increasingly countries around the world are divorcing themselves from the SWIFT monetary system. So the usefulness of the dollars for a lot of people is simply served as usefulness. In, in other words, investment in the dollar simply doesn't pay off like it used to be. And so, therefore, those capitalists, particularly capitalists you know, in the U.S. and the U.K., uh, France, and, France and Germany, and not so much Germany, but France, have a very difficult time coping with the reality that you know that you know all of these these systematic these structural designs that you have in terms of keeping people in their place based upon material wealth are no longer uh, possible. In other words, as the number of people who don't have access to wealth or to money increases, it means that it becomes a situation much more situation much more untenable. Excuse me, much more difficult for those people in uh, in positions of power in terms of maintaining their power, and so therefore that drives a desperation. And so when I talk about this dystopian, I mean, that's going to be very, very clear. So when Bill Gates talk about innovating, you know, uh, subsequent um, uh, vaccines for COVID-19, he talk about doing it in such a way in which you don't have to be concerned about the temperature that they have to be kept at. You have to be concerned about in terms of how they disseminate it. You have to be concerned about anything, any, any, anything that's related to medical in terms of, you know, uh, medically preserving the vaccine. When he talks about creating such a scenario, such a system, and essentially, he's saying that he's creating a market, so he's making it more profitable in terms of 
not only you know to 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 create these vaccines, but to make sure that people take them because if they if they are viable in terms of cost, if they are relatively cheap, then people are more prone to take them. In addition to the propaganda that Brother Anthony talked about, with they're constantly telling people, you got to take it, you got to take it, you got to take it, you got to take it. COVID here, COVID there, COVID there, constantly. And people say, my God. So it's relatively cheap. Yeah, I'm going to take it because it's relatively cheap. And so, therefore, there is there is no morality in in, ter- in terms of this thing. So we we we, we got to understand that uh, when you ask the question, you know, uh, just you know, you know, uh, what what are, what are the downsides? And the downsides, of course, is is is, is, is the level of dystopia that we we we're concerned about. And also, when we talk about nanotechnology, one of the things we got to be very concerned about, you know. Um, uh, with, the, with the perfection of nanotechnology, it becomes possible in terms of not only perfecting the ability to monitor where people are in terms of injecting them with all kinds of uh, transmitters like people do with their dogs now and they inject their dogs with a little chip so they can follow them. How far behind is the human beings in terms of injecting us with so they can monitor us? It's, 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 it, all leads, it all leads to a dystopian, and this is why we've got to be very concerned about what's going on, and we have to take a stand. Uh, we don't have the luxury of being pragmatic. We just don't. I mean, because the bottom line is the history is very clear. When you see when you, when the situation with governments are in decline, you see this kind of desperation. You see all these kind of policies that are ensuing. And you see this kind of push in terms of undermining people's civil rights, undermining people's human rights. Then it has particular implications for the, for the, for the survival or the, hit or the future of a people. And so this is why people have to understand the reality is that, you know, as the country become more dystopian, that we've got to understand that there is no escape, that we've got to confront it head on. But first and foremost, we've got to understand what it is that we're confronting. There is, there is no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be um, circumspect. You know, you know, I'm going, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be uh, uh, very cautious in terms of how I proceed because I'm afraid that if, you know, if they know that I know, uh, what's going on in the world that they might do something to me? They might come get me. They might kill me or whatever. Regardless of what you, what feelings you may have, the bottom line is that they're going to continue to do what they got to do. And so, therefore, you really got no choice but to acknowledge what's going on in society and fight against it because you really don't have a choice. So, whatever happens, happens. But you simply can't uh, intimidate yourself, you know, by focusing on what they do, may do or may not do. Because the bottom line is that they're going to do what they got to do in terms of maximizing profits. If that means the oppression of a people, the oppression of a country, then that's what they're going to do. If that means inflicted injustice on people or or, or a group, that's what they're going to do. If that means there's so many vaccines that are disadvantageous or hurtful or harmful to the masses of people, they're going to do that as long as there's profit involved. So we understand this is the nature of the beast. So to answer your question about Africa, it all leads to dystopia, and this is the thing that we got to understand and got to and, and and seriously seriously start thinking about because we have to fear side. We have to start thinking about the the nature in terms of what 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 kind of future we can anticipate given given current trends that currently exist. Brother Moses, any remarks as far as what you heard so far? Hello. Yeah, Brother Moses, the mic is yours. Yes, uh, uh, I'm not, I'm off point. Uh, what uh, what 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 is the point at this point uh, in our discussion? I'm I'm a little off point. Uh, the 
nature of raising this discussion, Brother Moses, is for our listening audience and the rest of the world. You have to remind them, you have to try to uh, make them become more conscious and look at this whole behavior of how this whole scenario has been created around the viruses to second guess and further uh, investigate whether we're not being told and being asked to do is in their best interest and try to really start connecting the dots more closely together to see if this is really what is happening. Because remember, as you said out earlier, we seem to have seen this story many times. And mm-hmm. see like the major corporate, the major corporate who's pushing this, this issue, this virus, it seems like to be exhibiting similar behaviors that they have done before. You know, the question comes, once you have seen before, you know, you should be tricked by the same game, maybe with a different name. And um, the stuff you're saying, it just don't add up. It, don't, it doesn't add up in terms of if you just use your own common sense. It's a basic common sense. It seems like your common sense is being attacked and people are challenging you in terms of not to use your common sense. For example, Brother Moses, I was in a psychology class one time. And we're talking about how people can create scenarios and conditions to make you think you see something when in reality you am not. And they were doing this experiment on this particular person. He didn't know he was the one that the experiment was uh, being done on, but the rest of the people in him, they did. They made him believe that he saw something that was in the sky when there was not anything in the sky. But based mm-hmm. on his interaction and perception around other folks, he's saying that's, that it was something up there. He began to believe it. So what we're saying, Brother Moses, is that um, looking at what's going on, we should the question was not, this is, is something that was not created for other objectives to benefit a few, a few groupings of people. We're also saying that the scenario of the timing of this raised issues about, you know, the coincidence of understanding that one, we know according to their own statistics at the minimum by 2050, if not before, this country will become a dominant population of people who are of non-union origin. We also know that there's a big concern among those who are in power and those who reflect, reflect the power base of Europe, the capitalist class, that Europe has a population growth that been declining for, for for years. We also know that those in power, they have a desire of reducing the world population by billions of people. Now, how do you do that? You just can't outright do that by walls and bombing people up. We do see the behavior of those who are telling you Let's fight to get rid of the virus on this end, while on the other end, outside of this this country, trying to make it very difficult for people to to do to, to protect themselves and fight against the so-called virus, such as in Venezuela, Cuba, Zimbabwe, you name it. So all of these things, and we also know, Brother Moses, for scientific process of coming up with formulas and studying studying diseases and these kind of things, you can't come up. We do research and come up with answers in a short period of time in one year. 
and put this kind of stuff together. We also know that basically there has never been no test test um test data on animals before they start using people with these things that they are doing now. And we also know Brother Moses every day see like the story changes from one day to another. So we're trying to get the people to think and look at this stuff more critically and clearly before they wake up, like the brothers and sisters in um in Central and South America, back in the sixties, seventies, eighties, when UNESCO and other folks went down there, gave indigenous people medicines, gave them the shots, and for the next forty years, the young folks will never be able to produce, will never be able to um, produce children. And then this happened in Central South America, but this has happened in other countries. So this is why we having this discussion, trying to raise consciousness, not only the listening audience, but also the listening world. My, I, I, um, I, um, have, uh, you know, listened to the various arguments and, uh, and, uh, been watching, uh, PBS and public television and different things. And they talk about the origin of the virus, the virus and stuff. And, uh, and, uh. I don't know. Everybody's got a different version of of what's really going on, according to who they believe and who they trust and stuff. And and uh, to me, Dr. Fauci seems to be know uh, what he's doing. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm putting my trust in the wrong person or that, but I trust Dr. Fauci as a scientist. And uh, this is not common sense stuff. This is scientific stuff, which means researching and uh, and uh, seeing the underlying underlying laws of of, of nature and such, et cetera. And, and uh, uh, this COVID nineteen is very real, and uh, uh, we don't want to take it lightly. Uh, 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 I don't know. We to me, but we agree with you, know, you we, brother. We don't, we don't, we don't disagree with you that the virus may be real. That's not the issue. But what the virus is real, I'm talking in the way how we dealing with it, how we trying to solve a solution to it, and um, mm-hmm. that's what is I think is 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 a question. But also, if the virus mm-hmm. is real, it also real that it has the origin and the beginning. I mean, part of solving this whole equation, we need to understand where and how it came to existence. And for some reason or another, uh, people still refusing more to deal with that. Because failure to learn that today will be set up for the same game 10, 20 years later. Or the same thing with a different name. So that's always just raising my voice. No problem. Cuba, Cuba and China have vaccines, don't they? Uh, yes, they Cuba is in the, the process of developing a vaccine, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. But the way they're dealing with it is really ironic and totally the opposite of the way the U.S. and these European scouts are dealing with it. They seem to think we take more of a scientific rejected approach, very careful and calculating in terms of what type of things they do with human beings. And they recognize that they're not trying to speed rush things solely for the motivation of making money. Also, they're doing now research is for the interest of the whole world. 
We're not worrying about money being the major focus. Whereas in the U.S., everything is seen to be uh, conceptualized of making money, making money. So when things talk about you make things a priority about making money, um, all kind of things are shortcutted and other agendas come into play. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. Dr. Dr. Fauci. If you research and take a look at Dr. Dr. Fauci, you realize some of these pharmaceutical companies that he's a part of advocating folks maybe to make these medicines or whatever. He has stock and part of board owners. He can benefit financially from himself. But he may have a death and confidence in certain motives or maybe how they're going to want to um, profit for other stuff and not give you the real, real essence how the best to deal with it. So these are the kind of things I think we need to be careful to understand and look at. All right, I think I think it's good that we're having this discussion and analyzing this thing and questioning uh, what's going on. And when has this country and when has those who have money became concerned of the poor and the oppressed? When have they are uh, willing to invest some money to do something for the interest of the poor and the oppressed? If that's the case, hell, they can do that now. There's a whole lot of things that can be done now uh, for those that are being... Um, Economically deprived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Got ten billionaires who can eradicate poverty throughout the world. That's crazy. That is crazy. But again, it goes to motivations. And the thing about Dr. Fauci, we have to understand. And he's kind of used in terms of pressure. So what Brother Africa talked about in terms of the, 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 the psychological experiment they perform, that's true. Uh, there is a kind of coercion that takes place in terms of that does impact the way people, what people, what people say or what people think. So you may know the truth, but if you're coerced uh, for whatever reason, be the, be the monetary uh, concerns, be the social concerns, or be the be career aspirations or whatever it may be, uh, you're vulnerable to that kind of same kind of manipulation. So Dr. Foster is not beyond that. I think what we have to understand, what we have to understand, is that each and every person has for him or herself has to look into this and look into this, because even if they use these 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 these, these terms, you know, uh, with these long words in them, you can always go on. You can always seek the definition of those words and, and break it down where you understand what they're saying and apply it to what you learn. There's nothing saying that you can't understand, you know, uh, medical jer- uh, jargon. There's something saying you can't understand economic jargon. It's simply a question of applying yourself and 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 and, and uh, um, um, deconstructing the, the the wording or the or the, or, the, or the concepts to understand uh, uh, on a level that you understand it. So it's not impossible for people to understand this in terms of COVID-19 and what it's all about. It's just a little bit of research you have to do. I'm not going to sit there and say I'm going to listen to A, B, and C for 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 a, for a, for a view. Hell no, I'll never do that. I'm going to always research my own. I don't care what anybody say. I'm going to research my own because I know better than to sit there and take people's word. I've seen too many times on, on the university level, you know, taking people's word for stuff. You know, when in fact, when you go back and look at it, that is that is that is not even remotely in terms of what was conveyed to you. So that's that's one thing you don't do. You don't say, well, hey, well, because he's a he's a doctor, so therefore, what he said goes. I'm just I have no I have no I have no opinion because I'm not a doctor. That is absurd. It's just like going to your lawyer and the lawyer representing you, and uh, you have no questions because you're not a lawyer, so therefore you you intimidated to ask a question. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. 
So we have to so we have to question stuff. It's not impossible. This is this is this is the thing about deconstructing language. You know, we we, we, we break it down on level in which we understand what they're saying. Very, you mm. know, that's what we have to do. We can't wait for any professional to tell us. They tell us what they want us to tell us. Why do you think they can so easily con- confuse us around economic issues? Because they define the terms. If we don't take the time to dissect or break down the terms what they're actually saying, we'll never understand what they're saying. All we know is what they tell us they're saying. In reality, what they're saying has nothing to do with what they, ch- what they say. But if you don't take the time to dissect, to deconstruct what is being said, what is, being, or what is, what is the general consensus in the world, in the country, then you never come to the realization of what's really going on. So don't ever say you're going to depend on any individual for information. You have the means of yourself to, to learn as much as you possibly to learn as much as you possibly can about situations, about anything. I don't care what it is or how complex it is. Physics, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, medicine, you know, biology, it doesn't matter. If you take the time to discipline yourself in terms of deconstructing those terms, those concepts, you can understand it too. And you can converse with anybody. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a PhD to be able to converse with them and understand what it is, what it is. You don't even have to use the same terms. As long as you got the concepts down, then they understand precisely what you're saying. So this notion that we got to depend on these, these professionals, quote-unquote, to tell us what to think, hell no. I would never do that. Nobody should do that. And that is the real danger, you know, in terms of the society, where you get these critical leaders telling people what to, what to think and what to do. And this is why you, which, why you get this situation back in, back in January 6th where you have all these idiots running to, to the Capitol, you know, talking about some, you know, uh, you know, looking for a politician. Like somehow, even if you assassinate every politician in the Capitol, what do you think that's going to change? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. But these idiots think that they're actually doing something. And that comes from the fact that because this orange menace told them that they should come, they came. Because they believe that he had more political understanding of the world than they do. When all they have to do is sit there and read and understand that all of these things that you believe aren't factual. All it takes is a, all it takes is a little, a little, a little study, a little work, a little deconstruction, a little deconstructing, and you'll figure out what the reality is. It's not rocket science, but no individual can, can inform can inform you. You got to inform yourself, and it's uh, now it's just close with that, brother Africa. Yeah, the sin is the the vaccination is based upon a genetic code. And that um that um you introduce it, that the that it doesn't change the DNA. That's that's what my understanding, man. I don't know uh from getting no, the wrong understanding or not. But but uh what what happens uh with the these vaccines is because uh you know, people aren't aware of what of what's in them. Uh, uh, see, and uh, they can put all kinds of chemicals in them. And uh, as a matter of fact, I've heard they put they put you know animal uh, d- uh, DNA in them. Uh, let's see, they can uh, put uh, uh, because they don't have to specify what's in the vaccine. They can put all kinds of chemicals that can do all kinds of things to your body at the uh, at the cellular level. Yeah, and after the Cubans talk about that's the difference between what they're doing and what they're using and how toxic and dangerous uh, these vaccines that I've been using in the U.S. 
This is very dangerous and harmful to the human body. And they're not going that route. And yeah, I find no. it different. We all, I find it interesting. Here you got countries dealing with the same thing, but they have all they have different coaches on trying to deal with it. And they claim to be having similar results. Or, 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 or some have better results than others, which Cuba has a better track record than we yes has mm. now. You know, so the two pitches, the two allergies doesn't match. Somebody that tells us the truth. Well, Switzerland told the U.S., no, thank you. Keep your vaccines until you can provide us with some empirical, empirical, empirical data. We don't want your vaccines, and it's in the back. Mm. They're absolutely correct. They're absolutely correct. You're not going to arbitrarily create some methodology to create this vaccine and then give it to me and say it's all okay. No, 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 no. We can't do that. Because once we inject people with that stuff, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, not only our credibility on the line, but potentially we could harm someone's life by doing that. And so no, we're not going to take that chance. So they send the vaccine back to the U.S. They're not going to do it. One of, wow. the reasons why increasingly, one of the reasons why increasingly people are going to, 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 to Russia or Chinese vaccines is because they trust those countries. They trust those countries that they're, they're, going, they're going to innovate something. It's based upon scientific data and not based upon subjective thought. And they don't think that these, these countries will create vaccines with the sole purpose of harming people. And so, therefore, they have some credibility. That may or may not be the case. But the perception is that the U.S. has a long track record of doing bad things with vaccines. And so people don't trust mm-hmm. it. Not even the citizens of the U.S. trust it. So people around the world are increasingly going to, to Russia or China for the vaccines. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense. Uh, but this whole question in terms of when you talk about terms of the potential terms of breaking down the human body, I think Dr. Dr. Gold is absolutely correct when she talks about um, um, uh, pathogenic priming. I mean, absolutely correct. When you take a foreign body, like a nanotechnology, you use it as a medical injection system, and you're going to inject it into my body, you don't, you don't, you don't have any control in terms of what that, what that technology does, what the nanotechnology does. You have no, absolutely no control at all. And theoretically, they do understand that, in fact, when you, create, when you, when you inject people with nanotechnology, they also understand that the potential for it to break off, for part of the technology to break off and affect different parts of your body, culminating in all kinds of ailments, uh, suffering, and even death is well documented. Why didn't the U.S. government take more time in terms of, in, in terms of investigating in terms of impact on nanotechnology? They didn't. Because what's more important for them is, is, is potentially to use that technology for some, other, for some other scientific application. This is why they didn't tell people that nanotechnology was a part of this. This is one of the reason why they keep on telling people, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, without telling people exactly they're what's not, in it. What is it? But, but, but they don't only tell and, them to take it, Brother Hockey. But, Brother Hockey, right. they don't only tell them to take it. They really create a scenario where you don't have a choice. They're forcing you to take it. They force you to take it. They create a scenario to force you to take it. They create such social pressure that they can do anything to you, and the rest of the people around will say, okay, he just was breaking the law. He won't willing to listen to him. You're right, Brother Alvin. The whole thing has been contrived. You're right. You're right. They're compelling people. They're coercing people to take it. And the mere fact that in addition to compelling or coercing people to take it, you never provide any information in terms of what it is which means that those are two deadly signals right there in terms of why I have some real reservations in terms of consuming this stuff. 
So for me, you know, I don't need Dr. Fauci to tell me that there's something fundamentally wrong when you doing when you creating this, this this vaccine, right? You have these many different different kinds of variants in terms of this COVID-19, but you're creating one and you're saying take it anyway. And my question to you is, so you got five variants of this this is about COVID-19. So with this this vaccine obviously not going to cover all five variants, all five strains of COVID-19. So why I want to take this one? You see what I'm saying? So I don't need Dr. Foster to tell me. It's just common sense. I know that. I don't need him to tell me. I just know. Brother Haki, not only did he tell you you got fired today, but I'll make a bet right now with all of y'all. Two, three years down the line, they may say they discovered seven or eight, so they have to come up with some more vaccines. They don't lie some well, of the time. They lie all the time. Well, they, they they lie all the time, and, and let me uh, just want to interject here that there is a variant that originated in Britain, allegedly, and also a couple of variants that originated in South Africa. And I don't know whether those are included among the five or not, but... Uh, but after that, I even have some questions about the South African thing. Because one narrative you follow real closely, that one of the things they've been saying, I don't know how true that is, that it had very little impact up to this point of the virus having, having a large impact on the African continent for various reasons. But I do know, given the fact when they ran that, um, that particular narrative, but what I saw was at the time, that was not a major problem in 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 Zambia, South Africa, when they were raising the issue that the virus seems not to be as impactful on the continent as it is in other areas. But I do know later on, when they said they was able to inject two to three million contusions and people with the vaccine, two three months later, they started saying all of a sudden they got the strain virus. So what I'm saying is. I don't know if the virus was originally there or it came there and injected stuff in them. Remember, two years ago, there was publication from Big Pharma. Pharmaceutical companies stated, documented that in the future there would be viruses that would be created solely so they can make billions of dollars. And one of the ways they were created is to make people think something is this when it actually doesn't, but will force them to have to run and get vaccinated by getting vaccinated, that's when they reject viruses and create these kind of uh, illness in, in, in human beings. They said this in their own documents. It was a couple of years mm. ago. And right. we said, interesting. About what, is, what is interesting, what is interesting is that forget about these they things. have they have the, yes, brother, what's interesting they have the what is interesting is that they have the the, the UK the UK variant and they had a South Africa variant. Well, interestingly enough, the UK variant, there's no discussion on the UK variant anymore. It's now all the South African variant. And and the whole point is, Brother Anthony, you know, one of the things I'm concerned about is the five variants in terms of COVID-19. The mere fact that we weren't apprised of the fact that there were five variants is, to me, uh, a racist suspicion. Because mm-hmm. that's important. Because if you're going to come, if you're going to fight this COVID-19, then you certainly got to acknowledge that the, what the problem is. And the problem is that you get to more five variants, not one. So now you create a vaccine for one variant, but you got five variants that's, that's in existence, and they're all five in America. 
Is it quite possible that these variants that we talk about, uh, to answer your question, is it quite possible these variants that we talk about is something that always, always preexisted in the United States? And nobody want to call it that. They keep calling it variants, variant South Africa, variant UK, variant, variant, variant. It was all these variants, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, COVID-19 infections. Is it possible that all this is just a manifestation of the five hepatitis or the five strings of COVID-19 that already exist in the U.S.? In the five, five strings that already exist in the U.S., the question becomes, well, do they have a common, a, a, a common source of mutation? Do they all come from a common entity? If they did... Now, if, or did or did they just or did they just just did you have one all of a sudden all five mutated then you have a point out one you have five that mutated in succession over a relative short period of time in less than in less than six in less than six months. Mm-hmm. So something is fundamentally wrong in terms of this, this this presentation when it comes to COVID nineteen. None of this stuff makes any sense. None of it makes any sense at all. I just know, given the law and history of America, and given the kind of um, uh, the kind of um, uh, the kind of um, ruthlessness employed in terms of dis- dispensing, you know, COVID. I mean, co- vaccines. I'm just, I'm just apprehensive. I really am. So, you know, I, I'm not. I'm, I won't tell anybody that you should or shouldn't take that stuff. That's up to you. You do what you think is right. You know I mean, but for me, you know, I look at the research. You know, I look at the information. And I got too many questions that I need to be answered. And unfortunately, the mainstream media refuses to answer any of the questions that I have. Mm. You know, you know media, uh, we, we, go ahead. Sorry. Yes, go ahead, go ahead, Anthony. Go ahead, brother. Anthony. No, I was going to say that one of the um, one of the one of the major problems confronting the African communities in the diaspora and on the continent. Uh, because of the high level of illiteracy that exists, we tend to be very dependent upon uh, the the mass media for information, and uh, and uh, you know and um, you know uh, and as Haki indicated, a lot of us don't do the appropriate research. Partly because we don't have the tools to do it. So those of us who 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 have who know how to read and write, and if you can read and write, you can learn anything basically, which is a point that Hakeem made earlier that I agree with. Is a matter of just having taken the time to do the research, but. Uh, uh, a lot of us do not have the basic tools needed to to engage in that, uh, that that type of study. But those of us who do should should definitely do that, and not take things at face value, because uh, the meat the uh, the imperialist media does not have our interests at heart. They don't. And uh, and uh, you know those of us who have the tools take the time to read, to, to do your own research. Don't take what we're saying at face value. Don't take what the mass media says at face value. Uh, uh, you know if you if you know how to read and write, 
then you can do then you have all the tools needed to do your own research. You know my my, my hero, one of my favorite, one of my heroes <coughs> uh people who are self turn self taught. Uh, you know, um Harry Tubman and you know, Malcolm X and Soldier of the Truth and people I mean people like that who are self taught. You know what I mean? You you, you know what I'm saying? So the point is that you know if if you really want to know something you have to you have the means to do that. Uh, Malcolm X had eleventh grade education, so he dropped out of school, right? So he took mm-hmm. the first thing he did was to, to learn learn a library. I mean, I mean to, to learn the uh, dictionary. First thing he did was to learn yeah. the dictionary. So mm-hmm. one of the drawbacks I think for a lot of our people, a lot of times we equate, and and, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I also had that same malediction. At one point in my life, in my younger life, I always thought that to be intelligent is for white people. I really did. I'm not. Listen, I'm just being real. I'm being 100 because I want people to understand that. So when I'm talking, I'm not saying that I'm not like I'm like I don't understand the nature of the beast. I do understand the nature of the beast. And in fact, a lot of these shortcomings I epitomize. I was listen. I was a messed up individual as a young as a young boy. I ain't gonna lie to you. I was because I didn't know. I only knew what I saw, what I observed, and what I heard. And I thought those things were legitimate expressions of who I am as a, as, as a human being. It was only later that I began to realize that it was a hogwash. But the point is that when you talk about the point when you talk about Malcolm X in terms of self-educating yourself, we must overcome this notion in terms of first and foremost that you know that that intelligence is for white people, and we got to make sure our children don't grow up with this nonsense about intelligence is for, for white people. That for the intelligent African is somehow to be nerdy, or somehow to be a you know a a, a, a gump or, or whatever or whatever the, whatever the latest slang is in terms of people who are, who are, who are, who are, who are, who are, who are driven to to, to learn educationally or academically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so the whole point is that, you know, just this, this attention terms of learning exists in all of us. Even if you drop that in sixth grade, if you really want to learn what's going on and you take that step in terms of trying to learn how to read, it'll come to you. It's simply a question of patience. And, you know, and, mm-hmm. and don't let anybody discourage you from doing what you got to do. It's never too late to start. Granted, it may right. be harder because you're older. Is granted that may be true, but it's not impossible. And so what we're yeah. what we're saying is that the potential in terms of understanding the nature of the beast in the society is not beyond any of us. If we want to know, we can know. It's that simple. It's not it's not rocket science. It's not com it's not complex. Even if you let me tell you a situation. I'm gonna close with this. There was a situation when it was at um, Columbia University in New York, right? And uh, so it was me, um, a brother, a couple of sisters. And uh, we met a couple of students, you know, at the Columbia University, right? So we had that talking. And one of the brothers that was with us, you know, he was he was talking, you know, and he was he was he was using some words, I mean, some very sophisticated words, right? And so he he, he inadvertently used used the words, you know, you know, incorrectly. And so the students in Columbia were like, you know, on him about, you know, that using the right words, you know what I mean? And we stopped and said, whoa, 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 calm down. You know, you don't have to say that. Keep that to yourself. Because the bottom line is that he's growing. He's he's growing. See, he's trying. He's growing. So he made a mistake. He'll come to realize he made a mistake. But you don't chastise him and put him down simply because he used the word incorrectly. You see? So we understood. You know, we defended the brother. And like, no, 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 brother, you just keep doing what you're doing. Keep, on, keep that struggle up. Keep that struggle up. Use the words. That's the only way you can understand what they mean. Use them on the Talk to us and use them. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? Because we're all going to struggle together. And we had to remind the students, you know, don't don't castigate him, don't belittle him simply because he used the word inappropriately. Hell no, don't do that. 
So this notion, so we we got to overcome this notion in terms of you know what, what it is to be educated. That educated is, is a bad thing. To be knowledgeable is not a bad thing. It doesn't make you a nerd. Doesn't make you a gump. Doesn't make you soft. Doesn't make you any of that stuff. You know. What I mean? And so this is the message we get to our people. You know, and one of the things, uh, you know, one of the things I got I want to do is is is, is definitely open up a, a school in terms of for reading, just for reading. There's a lot of elder, elder, a lot of elders who can read. And I would like to open up a school in terms of, you know, just for the elders to make sure they come and help them learn how to read. Because it's important. So they pick up the paper, they understand precisely what's going on around them. You know what I mean? So, anything, I say that to say that, you know, all the things that we talk about are not uh, outside of the realm of, of, of possibility of, of knowing. Simple question in terms of applying yourself and, 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 and growing. It's very simple. America Max is a prime example of that. And the thing about those, some of our, be- our best, uh, our most progressive and revolutionary leaders were largely self-taught. Uh, you take uh, people like, uh, you know, Nat Turner, Denmark, D.C., etc., cetera, uh, Frederick Douglass, you know, they, 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 uh, they were largely, uh, you, uh, you know, self-taught for the most part. I mean... I as Sister Stanley Lou Hayes and Alan Baker, I think they even had, they were self-taught, Brother Anthony. More so, I don't think they had real formal education, right? Or or very minimal formal education because uh, that was right. discouraged in the African community for the most part, you know. So, you know, the, 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 those are a couple of other examples, but uh, you know, but I think I think what we're saying is that. Uh, you know, even the hot stuff that's highly technical in nature, uh, you know, it is something we can learn if we're determined enough to do so. And uh, and uh, all you have to do, is, all all that's needed is a solid foundation. Once you know how to read and write, you can teach yourself anything. And the brothers and sisters that I know that work with in the movement who work with Dr. King, they would tell you he was uh, what you would call a so-called student of, uh, of A's and B's. He was an average student, a C student. So not always about the you know the academics and grades. But anyway, panelists, what I want to do right now, well, let me make this quick point before we go to this break um, as we continue the discussion. Brother Moses, you made me think about something to the purpose of why we, we, we're talking about this. You know, I was reading an article about a month ago, uh, a little less than a month ago, about how how uh, Italy was dealing with this uh, pandemic. And one of the things that came from this article was that the Italy government had decided to change the whole approach of dealing with the pandemic and the so-called virus because they found out a lot of stuff that had been propagated was not true. They was they they took people who had the virus and they actually um and died from them. they actually opened up some of the bodies and examined the stuff. And they found out a lot of this stuff wasn't true and they um publicized the the, the, the issue that, you know, they they would now change a hospital to deal with patients, how they treat them, et cetera. But the story never made it to major <laughs> to the major um um to major news outlets. So, you know, I just saying, you know, it's important for us to definitely look at what's going on today and don't buy a lot of this hype because it has a history. We have seen the story before. 
That's not to say it doesn't exist, though. But even if it exists, or that I'll be treating it, uh, dealing with it, the best way to resolve it. Question that is at stake. So, anyway, panelists, what we will do, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will continue the discussion uh, as to what's going on in that world and community, because I definitely would like to get your take on this recent decision of um, not convicting the armed man for, for whatever. Um, and we're going to have that discussion in a few minutes. We'll be right back, and you're listening to Africa on the Move. Y'all tell us what's going on. Hey, 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 what's up, man? Brother, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm recording, man. Yeah, brother, like, stop right on. Hey, man, what's your name? Mother, mother, there's too many of you to Brother, brother, brother. There's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some love in here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate You see, war is not the answer For only love
African Liberation Day in terms of our African identity and some of the root causes for our problem of identification. I have met brothers and sisters who say that their mother tongue, quote unquote, is French, Spanish, Dutch, Portuguese, as well as English, which we speak. And because of this, we have a problem of identification. We do not know whom we are. And that is why this gathering is of great symbolic importance because it is an act of identification. We are saying that we identify with the African people of the African continent. We are saying that we are an African people. And when we make this identification, have no illusions about the fact that this is a very revolutionary initiative. It is a rejection of every other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community. Numerous universities lie around this land. Go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress cards on the Europe or European 
you will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese, you will find entries listed not only for mainland China, but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look on the Africa and the Africans, the only entries on the Africans relate to the continent itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear and become Negroes. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. That's right. We're the seat and we take the heat. As we define it, we'll stand behind it. Uh, Today's theme is a two-part series, The Money Game and Control. We have been discussing for the last two-thirds of the program more about what's going on around this whole question of this uh, coronavirus and whether or not should we believe the hype. We will continue the discussion of what's going on in our world community. And part two, we will continue the discussion and deal with the thing, the money game and control. Because when we talk about what's going on, as it relates to the virus, it's definitely a game about money as well as a game about control. So given that I have stated that, we'd like to welcome our panelists back, and we're going to talk a little bit about and get their take on what they thought about this recent decision of not impeaching um, Donald Trump uh, during his recent administration. Was that something that we all knew in advance and that was just a, some games of being played with the public? Or was there really some real reality to really chance of being impeached? I'd like to hear each one of y'all analysis because it seemed like, again, to me, it seemed like the people got played again. This was just all drama from the beginning and, it, and its inception. Brother Hackey, what's your take on the Senate failed to um, impeach him? Was this something that we knew all along? Was this just a game that was just playing with the people? This was just a game they were playing with the people. Uh, number one, uh, you know, the Democrats had no intentions on really, um, uh, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, find, finding him guilty. You know, they had no intentions at all. Uh, one of the things, one of the first thing they did was uh, deny the opportunity in terms of bringing in witnesses in terms of questioning to make the case for impeachment. So clearly, you know, it was just a game. Uh, the Democrats, the Republican positions were very clear. You know, they weren't going to, they weren't going to, they weren't going to impeach him anyway. Uh, because clearly uh, there, are, um, there is a, a, a line of demarcation that comes to um, a political line in society. You the Democrats and Republicans. And clearly the Democrat position is that's a, at least on paper that they're committed in terms of social justice, whereas Republicans' position is very clear in which they're committed to businesses. And so, therefore, the two will never meet. And so, therefore, you know, this notion that you're going to somehow uh, – Republicans are somehow going to uh, in, in impeach Trump. Uh, a staunch Republican, quote unquote, staunch Republican, was laughable. But clearly, it was, it was just a game. It was just a game. It was all about public consumption. It wasn't about anything real. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, one of the things that in, in, in playing this game, one thing we got to be very concerned about, Brother Africa, and that is in terms of the um, the the, in the perpetuation of, of fascism in society. Now that he was able to, you know, to conveniently, uh, you know, advocate. 
uh, you know, for people, you know, to, you know, to, to, to raise their opposition in a way which was not only threatening but potentially uh, detrimental or harmful to, to five individuals. We have a situation now where the president has been established, and because the president has been established, so we can anticipate more of that in the future. And one of the problems that I alluded to earlier, when we talk about the decline of the dollar and we talk about its status as a reserve currency, uh, is out the window. And so, therefore, what means that uh, in terms of maintaining the longevity of the system, uh, the only recourse for people in positions of power is to become more ruthless. They have no other recourse, recourse but to remain more ruthless. And so with fascism, of course, the concern is that given the business environment, given the business community, given the corporate power, uh, they could they could use a, a guy like Trump to carry out their agenda. So that's a real threat. I think people have to have to take into consideration when we look at the fiasco in which which uh, they called uh, the impeachment of Trump. Anthony, was this just another game to play with the people, or was there really some reality in, in, in fact that you know they had a legitimate real chance? so-called impeaching um uh, what's your take they it, it was a game play, played on the people basically because they would have to get a certain number of uh, republicans to go along with the impeachment uh effort and they didn't have that number and they knew that uh uh you know before the trial got started so I think, as uh, you know, Haki indicated, it was a case of the people being played. I think it sets a uh, a, 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 a dangerous president for the U.S. Though, in which uh, you know, since uh, you know Trump was able to uh, uh, get away with it, so to speak. Uh, you know, all the uh, uh, all talk to the contrary, uh, there's a possibility of more coup attempts in the future. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, you know, uh, this set a precedent in a sense for the U.S., and uh, they have taken place in other capitalist countries. So, uh, you know, uh, you know what I think the big lesson from this is uh, the U.S. is no exception to the rules that govern capitalist societies. I think you raised an interesting issue after I said the president. I also said the president that you can impeach, a, you can impeach a president even if you're not in power. And remember, on record, they have always said in the future, you know, they may go back and some other presidents who was president and try to um, 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 accuse them of things that they consider as illegal. I.e., you know, I think that we lose to Barack Obama. So we real interesting to see what happens. The next situation where you so-called will have a domination by both parties by, by the Republican Party. And see how they apply that rule to former presidents. Now, uh, yes, Brother Moses, what is your take? Was the game just they played on the people, or did they really have a realistic chance of really wanting to impeach uh, Donald Trump? You know, well, it was a good, good faith effort, I think, to impeach him. Uh, um, I think it was successful in in the sense that even though he was not. Uh, 
convicted. Ultimately, uh, he was acquitted. But the case was made, and it was laid out clearly. And even Mitch McConnell has admitted were there. I mean, there's no argue. He he didn't argue the facts. Um, he admitted that uh, Trump had done everything that they said. And uh, but he he was he was his argument was over jurisdiction and other technicalities and stuff. But I think it was a good. It was a political trial, and it was it was good. Uh, people were politicized. People people's consciousness was raised. I think people got a, a understanding of how Trump did what he did, and uh, the, um, there was the um, blow by play by play um, um, analyst of, of what he said and when he was saying it and what was going on. And I think it was very good. Uh, um, it's too bad they didn't impeach him, but. But uh, it was it was successful ultimately anyway. Thank you. Okay, Paul, if you want to have a few minutes. Yes, good, Bozaki. Yeah, I also think yes, the question Bozaki. in terms of separation of – I think also the question in terms of separation of powers was also at play here. Uh, one of the things that Trump represents executive branch, and so therefore even though he, he, he precipitously advocated those people coming you know, uh, to the Capitol to raise hell – I think the mere fact that he represents uh, one of the three parts of government uh, sort of gave him some kind of immunity. So I think that from just from a constitutional standpoint, it would have been very difficult to 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 uh, actually indict. I mean, not to indict him, but actually find him guilty and to impeach him. So I think it was, it was all it was all about a show for the population. But I tell you, one of the things I found interesting though, uh, there are a lot of people who were who were pretty upset about this about about uh, his is uh, being acquitted. acquitted. In fact, his lawyer who represented him, uh, he's been catching hell in Philadelphia. Uh, they've been threatening this poor man. I mean, this this guy, I mean, he can't even go home, him and his family, because they're threatening to kill him because they see him as a traitor. <laughs> and they said he had an opportunity to set the record straight and to make sure you don't have any other imperial presidents coming to power. That you had an opportunity to end all of that, and he chose not to. So it's their father concerned that he was a traitor, that he's not, he's not doing things in the best interest of the country, and so therefore he's got to go. And so the poor man is running, his family is running, he can't go home in Philadelphia out of fear, you know, that he's going to be killed. So clearly, man, this 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 this, um, this trial created a mess. Uh, but again, it was all about public consumption. There was, there was no real threat of him actually being found guilty. Uh, it was just all about public consumption. All right, panelists, we have came to the end of this road for today's program. I want to ask each one of you to do to give us your final thoughts for tonight. Remind our listening audience, we'll be back next week. This will be a continuation. This will be a part two of the thing, the money game and control. So right now, Brother Moses, just give us some final thoughts um, for today's program. Yeah, this has been a very interesting, uh, I'm very educational, I'm be critical, um, Taking some intellectualism and some political thought, and uh, and uh, obviously there's a controversy, but we are, we are up to the part in terms of being able to analyze it and and get through it. And so uh, it's been a very interesting show. Uh, uh, I look forward to next week. Thank you. Hi, we thank you, Brother Moses, as always, for your contribution to today's program. Next, we go to Brother Hockey. Brother Hockey, your final thoughts for tonight. Yeah, well, as Brother Moses alluded to, the struggle goes on. You know, it's all about ideas. It's all about ideas. You know, nothing personal. It's just ideas. And 
it's important that we struggle in terms some clarity in terms of what's going on because I'm clearly the situation is going to be perilous by leaps and bounds. And you know, and I think about the economic structures that currently exist in place for the sole purpose of empowering of empowering one percent one tenth one percent of the population at the expense of all others. And the, the repercussions of doing such a thing uh, clearly uh, the number of people who the government find useless, the number of people the government have no need for, no desire. Uh, as that number continues to proliferate, uh, access to uh, wealth actually declines. So we had, a, so we got a problem. We got lots of people with no wealth, and for a capitalist system, that is a problem. So clearly, we got to work out for us. We need institutions. We need organizations to deal with those quintessential questions in terms of our survival, our longevity in the society. And always encourage people to unravel the matrix. Because if we don't unravel the matrix and we don't understand clearly what this world up against, the reality is that there's nothing we can do in terms of ensuring our survival in the society. Having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. And you say, Brother Akin, and thank you too for your contribution to today's program. Next, we have Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight. Uh, my final thought for tonight is that. Uh, is that we need to be organized as a people. There's no excuse for an African not to belong to a, uh, uh, to a political organization that's working for our freedoms. And uh, one such organization is the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Uh, you can find out more, uh, more about us by checking out our website at www.a-aprp-gc.org. And uh, you can find out more about our history, our, our political line, our guiding ideology in crumism terrorism, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and about our history and our program. And uh, I would uh, I would encourage every African that does not belong to an organization to join one, if they don't see see an appropriate one to create one of their own. On that note, I say thank you and good night. I mean, thank you as well, brother, for your contribution to today's program and to our listening audience. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody for our panelists, you for sending the sheet, listening and taking the heat. Um, we will continue to try to define what we see and what we understand as to be reality. We want to engage you to a high level of critical thinking. And with that, we just create the climate so the future generation will be better off. Until next time, just remember, let's always go strive to go forward wherever we see you next week, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. Share with your network. If you have any views, comments, or questions, or issues you'd like to articulate on Africa on the Move or to Africa on the Move, please email us at africaonthemove2 at gmail.com. If you'd like to come be supportive of this particular radio show, we need your support. Please email us. Tell us you'd like to become a member or a supporter. Africa on the move, and we will tell you how you can do that. Again, remember, while support, you know, it'd be very difficult to be independent if we don't get the people's support. If we'll maintain our independence, we're doing this for the interests of our people and for humanity, 
and we can do a lot more better job. We work more together collectively and support one another. So we need your support. So until next time, let's always strive to go forward, Apple, back with Neville. And we leave you with the words of Brother Michael. Do they really care about us? We'll see you next week. This is Africa on the move. Michael, eles não ligam pra gente. modern time you can't help but say the word palestine people there have lost their land some have lost their home they live in other countries their freedom almost gone palestine, palestine. needs her freedom, needs freedom. palestine Needs our love, needs our love, Palestine. Palestine.
needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom.
Bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino! You can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is Africa. Stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of the single hollow, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance to inspire a fire like the sun announcing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people. The love of my people shining like the sun everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. When the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be. So that I've been here and made it through my journey. My journey, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
America has a very serious problem. Not only does America have a very serious problem, but our people have a very serious problem. America's problem is It's one or two suckers, ignorant brothers, trying to rob and steal from one another. You get caught in the mid, so to crush that stereotype, here's what we did. We got ourselves together, so that you can unite and fight for what's right. Not negative cause, the way we live is positive, we don't kill our relatives. Pop, 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 when it's shot, who's the blame? Headlines, front page, and rap, the name. MC delight here to state the bottom line. The black on black crime was way before our time. Took a brother's life with a knife that is white. Cause he died of trifling death When he left his very last breath Was I slept so watch your step Back in the 60s our brothers and sisters were hanged How could you gangbang? I never ever ran from the Ku Klux Klan And I shouldn't have to run from a black man Cause that Thing 
lessons and memories are barbulated. And I hate it when someone dies to get all hurt up for a silly gold chain. Fuck chump, word up. It doesn't make you a big man. And to one ain't going, this your brother man. And you don't know that's part of the plan. Why? Cause rap music is in full demand. Understand? My name is Jeff Ice, a man, not a prankster. I was known as the gangster. But believe me, that is no fun. The time is now to unite everyone. You don't have to be soft to be for peace. Robbing and killing and murdering is the least. You don't have to be chained by the beast. But party people, it's time I release. Hey yo, here's the situation. Idiotic, nonsense, violence. Not a good policy, therefore, we must ignore fighting, busting. Heaven's at the door, so there'll be no bum rushing. Let's get together before we're falling apart. I heard a brother shot another, it broke my heart. I don't understand the difficulty, people. Love your brother, treat him as an equal. They call him animal, Mm-mm, I don't agree with them. I'll prove them wrong, but right is what you're proving them. Take key before I leave for what I'm saying, or we'll all be on our knees. Praying. heavy deep, deep in the heart of the matter. The self-destruction is served on a platter. Making a date, not failing to anticipate. They got greedy, so they fell for the bait. That makes them a victim. Picked and plucked new jack and jails, but just the vets they'll duck. There's no one around, cause in jail you're a number. They never took the time to wonder about Yes, we urge to merge. We live for the love of our people to hope they get along. Getting a point to our brothers and sisters who don't know the time. With intellect to revolve, to evolve the self-respect. Cause we, we got, got to, to keep, keep ourselves in check. Or else it's
against us are, and I use the word most carefully, formidable. They are intense and powerful. They are, as I have taken some pains to explain, the forces of imperialism, 
acting through their instruments new colonialism and colonialism, ably assisted by the agents of the Cold War. They operate in worldwide combinations at all levels, political, economic, military, cultural, educational, social, and trade. And not all, and through intelligence, cultural, and information services. <laughs> they operate from European and African centers, using agents who, I'm ashamed to say, are often on patriotic sons of Africa, buying personal satisfactions with the betrayal of their country's safety and integrity. <laughs> They seduce leaders. They seduce leaders of the African political, trade union, and people's organization, thus creating rifts and quarrels within the national front. On the broader front, they are amassing their forces in a determined effort to stay the advance of African liberation and the march of unity. It is not accidental that the countries of the European Common Market and those spearheading the Atlant North Atlantic Treaty Organization, the imperialist powers who have brought in their vassals, Spain and Portugal. Portugal, in fact, since the wars of the Spanish succession, 1700 to 1714, being a protectorate of Britain, which has enjoyed special trading and unnecessary rights in both Portugal and in the Portuguese territories for over 200 years. It is not difficult to understand, therefore, why Britain has not raised her voice against the atrocities in Angola and other protected Portuguese territories and actually supported Portugal's preposterous scheme at Goa in India was an integral part of the metropolitan country. The arms and troops that are pouring into Angola cannot be regarded in isolation from the international organization of imperialism and the Cold War militarism with which they are most definitely linked. It is absurd to think that Portugal, one of the poorest countries in Europe, could support so large an army, so well equipped, as that which is defending her colonial possession in Africa, without the active aid he must be receiving from the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Nor can we look upon the way in which South Africa is busily building up an armed force equal to any held by the nations of Europe without sending the international implications that are obviously involved. She has, we hear, a secret military pact with Portugal. And the interlocking imperialist interest collected in the Congo and the Rhodesians, Angola and Mozambique, which are also linked with the great mining and financial interests operating in South Africa, create a chain of allies which seriously threatens both the fight for extending African emancipation from colonialism and independence of the new African state. 
now that African independence has been achieved, over a large part of the continent and the national consciousness of Africans from north to south, from east to west, is adding momentum to the struggle for independence. Every kind of means is being used by the colonialists to arrest its progress and defeat its objective. They are attempting many methods, some sinister, some beguiling, to wreck our efforts. They strike antipathetic postures. On one side, they perform acts calculated to strike fear. On the other, they try to do hoodwink us with fictitious gifts, which superficially pander to our hopes and aspirations. They are the present attempts to deflect our purpose, to weaken our determination.